The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So it's time now for a magnified podcast extract. And the guest today is Vicky O'Toole. Vicky O'Toole is a businesswoman in Limerick. And Vicky took over the family business in the most tragic of circumstances when her husband, Fergus, died. She was with five children. It was a family business. He was the third generation owner. And the circumstances in which she had to take it over are just unimaginable for most people. But she talks about it and how she coped and how her family coped with a remarkable degree of honesty and so candid in one of the most remarkable interviews I've had the privilege to do in many a long year. And here is an extract from it where she talks about her late husband's Fergus illness and how she and her children coped in the aftermath of his death. If I came across as being less weak or less strong, because he always thought I was really, really strong, that I think he might have stayed around a little bit longer. I think he knew that my children were capable hands. Because um, I used to say to him when he was unwell, I said, Fergus, you imagine what happens if I get sick? You know, we need you really badly to stay around. But Fergus was in so much pain. So much pain. And we know he's up there. I don't know if Ken Donald, who was McNamara, is a really good friend of ours, and who was there for my parents' funeral and for Fergus, he'll kill me if he hears this. I don't know what God, I don't know about this anymore. None of us do after what happened to us. But I do believe Fergus is up there and he is looking down and he is minding us. And I think he's proud, but he's missing a lot. He's missing. I was so naive at the beginning with Chloe's graduation was the first. And I went, thank God, that's over and done with. I forgot there was a second and a third and a fourth and we have a fifth graduation coming up. You forget about the weddings. You know, I got to do the speeches. I hate it. <laughs> that was Daisy Fergus. You shouldn't be here to do this. Um, so there are days I do go up to the graveyard, which is a beautiful graveyard. He's buried beside my parents. In fact, my grave is, my parents are on the left. Then there's a space for me and then there's Fergus. And I know they're having their chance. But there's times I get cross with him. Very few. I just cross that he's not around to see how great his children. You know, that he's, phys- I know he's there to see it, but not to witness it with us. So uh, JJ had to walk Chloe down the aisle. So, but you say you're cross with him, and only a few times. Yes, okay, and I think, I think I can understand that. Although I probably can't understand mm-hmm. that because how can anyone understand what somebody else is actually going through? But I suppose you know, if he had had cancer or if he had had a heart attack, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be cross with no. him for dying because of that. And no. he had an illness. And oh, he died as a result of that illness. He had an illness, and I, I mean, and when I say cross, for it's just cross. It says, I wish you were. Not. I'm not. When first, when first died, I could write, a, and I, I will one day write a book, but I could write a whole book about what people said, the good things and the bad things. I could write a book about the good things people did and the bad things people did. It was just shocking, absolutely shocking, some of the things that we heard. People would say, Fergus committed suicide. He's so selfish. A, nobody should ever use the word commit. Fergus didn't commit anything. He didn't commit a crime. Fergus died from depression. That's what we say. Mm. And he had an illness and the Fergus that we knew when he was well, the Fergus that was unwell, it's two different people. And Fergus, Fergus did us a favour in his head. I know he did that. He, he was a burden to all of us. And you know, when you're sick and if you've got cancer or all these horrible things, you can go to hospital, you get an MRI, you can get a scan and they look at you and they can tell you what's wrong with you and they hopefully can find a treatment to make you better. 
with depression, there is no, I, I haven't heard of it anyway, where they can actually unzip your brain and they can say, well, okay, so first this type of depression and these are the tablets we're going to give them and he's going to be cured. With depression, it's so complicated. And we, you know, people will say he's so selfish. You know, Vicky, you need to, this is just a calling, you should be working. I could see his hurt. I couldn't understand how he was feeling. So how on earth could anybody else understand? He couldn't even explain to me how bad he felt. But the hurt and the pain that he was going through, can you imagine how excruciating that was for him to decide, I can't do this anymore. When he adored us, all of us, and he adored his brothers and his sisters and his friends, and he was the life and soul of Kilkee and Limerick and everywhere else. I mean, I think it must have been the biggest funeral that Limerick ever, ever saw. Um, Thousands came into our house. And um, so it was, it was, you know, it's just, so I just can't listen to people when they say it was selfish. What age was he? He was um, 48, I think. 46, 46. He's so young. I think. So young. And I was young. And then you mentioned how people said nice things, people didn't say nice things, mm-hmm. people were good to you, people weren't good to you. Was the people who didn't say nice things or didn't behave well, was that out of ignorance or what was it, do you think? There were hardly people being malicious, weren't there? There were. And, um, you know, it's so weird. About three years after Fergus died, now I knew that we were lucky. I knew we had. I was married to Richard Gear. I mean, this is all <laughs> I wish I was Cindy Crawford far <laughs> We We had everything from the outside in. We had everything. We had the beautiful home, the beautiful business, successful business. We had five stunning children. We were lacking in nothing and we knew it. Um, imagine three years after Fergus died, I heard from an aunt of mine that women were jealous of me. Imagine being jealous. A woman, she was jealous of me because I still had everything. I thought if you only knew the pain that we've had to go through, Things like, I remember after Fergus died, we had to go to his sister's funeral. When his sister, who was gorgeous, the eldest of, of Fergus's family, when she died, the day she died, I was out with an architect, our architect, who was a friend of Fergus's and mine, picking his headstone when she died. Which was, a, you know, and I'm kind of a bit of OCD and I was, I was t- looking at the debossing of the text on his headstone. It was a really horrible time for me. It was less than a year after Fergus died. And when she died, it was really, really tough. It was the first time we were in a church and we saw another coffin. And I don't know how the children felt, but I just felt really just horrible. And I remember going into the Holy Rosary and my five children, just like the Brady Bunch, sitting in front of me. I had them all dressed beautifully. Um, I took a couple of bottles of rescue remedy before I went in. I thought, you know, I'm doing okay here. I'm doing okay. And a lady went up to shake hands with Granny O'Toole, which would be Fergus's mother, who'd now lost two of her children. And she was walking down the side aisle and she leaned in. I was sitting behind my children and she said, how are you? At the top of her voice, I said, fine. You couldn't be. You couldn't be fine. Screamed it. And all my five children could hear this. But that's only a tip of the iceberg. I mean, you kind of, why did it happen? Where did it happen? What did he do? Um, I remember a girl coming to my house a month later and you remember all the bad things and the good things. I don't remember anything in between because it's too much many things for me to remember. But I remember she said to me sitting on the patio, I know how you feel. I thought, how does she know how I feel? I don't know how I feel. And I said, how do you know how I feel? And she said, because my mother died. And I said, you know, my mom died too. 
and my father has died and my, and my husband has died, but most importantly, the father of my five children. But she said, no, I know how you feel. And I don't think she meant to be cruel, but it was this kind of thing. I know how you feel. I don't know how I feel sometimes. Matthew, but you're there thinking Today something right FM, now and I don't know what to think. Here. But there were other things. I mean, I think the classic was when we went from the top 10 of the worst things you could possibly hear when somebody dies, my top, my number one kept changing. One of the classics was, um, and this has to go into my book, um, and I'm not going to mention names. So Fergus was very popular in Limerick, um, like really popular. I mean, he, on top of being a really great guy, he did so much for charity, for the for St. Gabriel's, for Vincent de Paul. He was, he was fundraising for the national school, the secondary school, everybody. Like, I mean, people actually said to me afterwards that they would see Fergus walking down the street and the actual crossover because they knew that he would look for money for something. But so at his removal, um, they couldn't even finish church. There were so many people in St. Joseph's. And neighbours of ours were in Spain on holidays. They lived right across the road from us and they were there for a month and they heard that Fergus died. So they all flew home. And at the back of the church, um, the lady who flew home met somebody and she said, that's very sad, isn't it? Desperate, desperate. And she said, wouldn't you great to come home um, for the funeral? She said, why wouldn't I? I mean, Fergus and Vicky are great friends of ours and the poor children. And, and she said, you will go back, will you, to Spain? And um, my neighbour said, no, no, we couldn't. We're, we're here to support. They, they live right across the world. We're here to support. And the lady said, oh, so you're not going back. Would you mind if we had your villa? And... Oh, my God. So now, so the lady who was told this, who was, if you knew her, is just kindest, most amazing girl. And she's so white. She's not feisty like me. And she said only that she stuck her fingernails into the top of her hand and drew blood, she would have punched her lights out. That was Vicky O'Toole. That is the latest Magnified podcast. There is way more than that. If you're affected by any of the issues raised, well then, the Samaritans number is 116123 or Pieta. The phone number is 1800 247 247 or you can text HELP to 51444. So Vicky O'Toole, the Magnified podcast that you can find on the Go Loud app or Spotify or Apple or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. But I would suggest it could be a useful use of an hour. She is a remarkable woman and I thank her very much for the honesty with which and the clarity with which she answered all of the questions that I put to her. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.